give you kind of a church update. So if you're new here, uh, you're going to just kind of get to hear a little bit about where we've come from and what's going on over the past, uh, over this past probably five months going on. Now we're, how many believe we're in May already? It's crazy. May already. And uh, I want to give you a church update so you can celebrate. One of the things we love to do here is we love to celebrate all that God is doing, and God is doing so many things in our house. And so I want to give you just a quick update of, of what's happened just in the past five months. So real quick, um, in the past five months, really only in the past four months, because this is our first Sunday of May, so technically in the past four months, I want to just give you a little bit of what God, God has done. The number of guests that we've had in the past four months, we've had over 55 families come uh, be a part of OSC Jennings in the last four months. That's a big deal. That's a, big, that's, a, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Uh, the other thing that I'm really, really excited about, here's, here's a really cool thing. Our weekly attendance has just begun to skyrocket. And as you can tell, we're continually filling. In January, we were averaging 181 people. Last month, we were averaging 232 people. That's, that's, 50, that's over 50 additional people. This is an average on a weekend, coming consistently on a weekend, 50 more people. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, you're going to see in just a minute why that is. One of the things that I'm really excited about, though, is our, our kids and what God is doing in our, in our kids' department, OSC Kids. Uh, he's doing some incredible things. In January, we're averaging 47 kids. April, 67 kids. Last weekend, last weekend, and this weekend might beat it. Last weekend, we had the most kids ever with 73 kids last weekend. So if you have a passion for kids, we need you. Um, so yet again, this is why we are building our new REACH Center. If you were here last weekend over the past couple of weeks, we've been, we have been uh, working tirelessly and casting vision tirelessly for this new REACH Center that we're building. Pastor Bubba has been meeting with architects. We got another meeting with an architect in a couple of weeks over this new facility. We're building a 10,000 square feet. It'll be a state-of-the-art 10,000 square feet uh, REACH Center, which will house uh, brand new facilities for all of our OSC kids. How I many know they need more room? and really nice stuff. And then the really cool thing is it's going to have a, a full-blown commercial kitchen um, for us to do uh, tons of events in. And every person that helps in our kitchen knows we need it. And then on top of that, it's going to have another room, probably about this size, if maybe not a little bit bigger, that will allow us to host weddings. So you could get married here and actually have a reception there and uh, host all of our outreaches, our teacher's appreciation that we host here, and so many other things that we could host. I mean, we just need more space. And uh, that's a good problem. And I'm excited to say over the past six weeks, we have been, uh, our goal has been to raise $30,000. And I'm so excited to tell you, we met our goal. We raised thirty. dollars thousand dollars. So, so with that, in the coming weeks, you're going to start seeing the ground out there. We're going to start breaking up the ground. So uh, let me just say this. Give us a lot of mercy over the coming time because it might get a little messy with a construction zone, but a construction zone means we're growing. And, uh, and it means that God's doing some great things. And, and so uh, excited about that. Thank you for your generosity. Uh, maybe if you are continually praying about the REACH project and you haven't given towards it, uh, we encourage you. What a great investment. Come on. I, all these kids up here, this is our investment right here. Every time you're giving to the REACH project, you're giving to this. This is what we're giving to. We're giving to kids that haven't come. We're giving to the people that we haven't reached yet. That's what we're giving to. And it's great because all of you that are in here that are new within the last year, you're sitting in somebody else's sacrifice. You know that? 
Somebody else sacrificed to build this debt-free, which I'm excited to say, and you're sitting in that because somebody else sacrificed, and how awesome is it for us to sacrifice for what other people are going to do? And so uh, thank you for helping us meet that goal. We're excited to do that. A lot of things are going to start rolling in the next coming weeks. But uh, I know that all of that has been really exciting, and, and I got a couple golf claps for guests, and I got a couple golf claps for kids, but I want you to save your biggest applause for this next one, because in the past four months, we have seen 98 salvations here at OSC. So let me, let me tell you what, what, what really excites me about this. Okay, so in Acts, the Bible says that in Acts, after the New, the New Testament church is planted, Paul preaches, 3,000 get saved. After that, the Bible says that God added to their number, does anybody know? Daily. Daily. So I went back and I said, okay, how many days have we done so far this year? We, have, we are on, today is day 122. So we are 24 salvations away from God adding to us daily. Let me tell you how I'm praying for this year. You want to know how I'm praying for this year? I'm praying that God would give us at least 365 new salvations in 2015. I'm praying that God will add new people to his kingdom and to his church every single day. Can you believe that with me? And so we're at 98, and uh, I believe that number is going to continue to skyrocket, and I believe after we're done today, we're going to go over 100. Okay, all right, all right. Maybe not. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm praying. I'm hoping. All right, if you got your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. You excited for the word this morning? You ready to hear it? Come on, we alive, church? Come on, can y'all tell this uh, young 33-year-old how alive you are, that you're excited to hear the word? I need some feedback, okay? I need some feedback. And so, yet again, just, man, it, we want to hear something. So you can say, preach it. You can say, come on. You can say, amen. You can say, preach, preacher. All right? Kirk Franklin's not the only one that can say that, okay? You can... You can do whatever, but I want to hear something. You can wave a note at me, okay? That's that's really gets me going. So wave one of them white notes at me. Uh, but Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to go there, and I'm going to share a message that I think if I had one message to share, this is it. This is my message. This is the message that, that I would share if I had one message left. Now, we're going to pray this isn't my last message. <laughs> okay? So if, if we do my funeral next week, we're not, babe, but I, if we did, you would come. Okay, anyway, let's stop. Let's just keep going. Um, I want to I walk you through what I pray for you often. When I pray for you, this is how I pray. And this message is built around how I pray for each and every one of you when I think of you. So in Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to read, uh, this is actually a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed over the Ephesus church, and uh, it's one of the, we, there's not a lot of prayers in the Bible, but this is one of them, and this is a prayer that I have taken as well. If Apostle Paul can pray over his people with it, then I think we can use it too, and this is what I've used to pray over you, and it's Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 16. If you're there, say, I'm there. Yeah. You should be there. It's on your notes, okay? So if not, you can get your Bibles. Electronic ones don't count. Um, and so, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I got my Bible on my phone. Okay, it's all right. Ease up. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16. It says, I have not stopped thanking God for you. 
I, I mean, stop there. I'm so thankful for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight. Let's stop there real quick. The greatest gift that, that I can give you as a pastor is clarity. It's the greatest thing that I can give you. I, I want you to come to a place where you see God clearly, you see yourself clearly, you see what God wants you to do clearly. I heard somebody put it this way, that, that, that we put, as pastors, we put the cookies on the bottom shelf so everybody can have some. And that's what I want to do. I want to put the cookies on the bottom shelf so everybody can take some. I don't want to preach in such a way where you don't understand what's going on, what's, what's happening. I really believe that if you know what you're called to do, you know what life is all about, then, then, then all of the problems that we face will not be as big of a problem if we can see, see clearly. And Paul is praying here that he's asking God to give his people wisdom and insight. May they see things clearly. Now, here are the four things that he prays, and these are the four things that we're going to talk about today. First, he says this, I want you to see clearly, and this is why I want you to see clearly, so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. You might grow in your knowledge of God. Everything starts with your authentic relationship with God. And I so desperately want you to have a great relationship with God. That's why we celebrate 98 salvations. That's why we celebrate all that because it's people that were lost that have now been found. And if there's anything that I want, it's for you to have a relationship with God. I have no joy in packing out this church if what we do on Sunday doesn't impact Monday. There's no joy for a pastor if what we do and what we preach on Sunday doesn't help transform and change your life on Monday. Come on, can I get an amen on that one? It doesn't pay for you to be able to hear God on Sunday, but you can't hear him Monday through Friday. You need God Monday through Friday. You need to know God Monday through Friday. And our job as pastors is to pray that you would grow in your knowledge of God. Second thing is this, I pray, verse 18, that your hearts will be flooded with light. Your hearts will be flooded with light. Now, your heart is a filter for life. We'll get into this in just a minute. But your heart is what everything passes through. Your heart is where you hold on to all your stuff. Your heart is where you hold on to all your issues. Your heart is where all of your pain is. Your heart is where all of the, the stuff that you struggle with in your life, your, your hurts and your wounds and your experiences, everything flows through your heart. And his prayer here is that I pray that your hearts would be flooded with what? With light. So that, look at this, so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he has called. See, because here's the deal. If you don't get a clear heart, you'll never see God's call. We've got to get a clear heart. Every person in here that hears my voice has a call of God on their life. But the problem is most people never see it because their heart's not clear. Most people don't see the call of God on their life. But you have a call of God on your life. And if there's any passion that I have as a pastor, it's for you to discover that call. Why has God put you? Because the two greatest days in your life is the day you were born and the day you discover why. It's the two greatest days that you have in your entire life. The day you're born and the day that you discover why. He finishes out his prayer with this. 
so that you can understand the confidence and hope he has given to those he's called and his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is what I call the spiritual continuum. It's a step. There's a step here, and there's a step here, and there's another step, and there's another step, and I am, for the next 30 to 40 minutes, going to be your tour guide. And I'm going to walk with you practically through what these steps is that God's called all of us to take. The Bible calls pastor shepherds. It's another word for a pastor. And a shepherd's job is to lead his flock not only from one green pasture, but to the next, and to the next, and to the next. Because sheep are dumb. And so, I'm not calling you dumb, but that's just what the Bible says, okay? So, I'm in there with you. He's the chief shepherd. But God is constantly leading us, don't stay here. You need to move to here, okay? You need to keep moving. And so, we're going to walk through this. I want to read the message version of this, and then we're going to get into some of our points. Let's put that on the screen. Read the message version of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16. It says this, watch this. I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I think of you and give thanks. But I do more than think, I ask. And I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent, now watch this, and discerning in knowing him personally. That's my prayer. Here's the second prayer. And that your eyes would be focused and clear. That's prayer two. So that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do. That's prayer three. Grasping the immensity of this glorious way of life. That's prayer four. He has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. I love this. Endless energy, boundless strength. Come on, how many, of you, how many of you say, give me some of that? And y'all hang out with your five-year-old? That's, that describes them. Endless energy, boundless strength. Hey, let's pray. Father, we love you. I pray that in our short time that we have together that you would rock our world. And more than rocking our world, God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, our minds, and that we would grow today. That we would hear from you. But more than anything, God, that we would obey the things that you tell us. We'd step out in the areas you'd call us to step out in. And I pray right now, God, that you would clear our minds from just everything that's going on this week. For us to zone in and hear your voice today. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Four things I'm praying for you. Let's write some notes down. Here we go. Number one. That you would know God. That you would know God. 94% of Americans claim to believe in God. But as we look at these 94%, come on, how many of you know not all of them know God? 94% of Americans say they know God. But we know. If you just watch the news this week, does it look like 94% of people know God? No. It's sad. It's disheartening. But the word know in Ephesians is a Greek word called gnosko. This word gnosko is a word for intimacy. 
It's the exact same word that, that God uses in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. And look at this verse. It says, it says and, and Adam knew Eve, and she conceived and bore a child, bore Cain. Now, how many of you know there's knowing somebody and there's knowing somebody? Okay, this is the Bible's clean version of saying, Adam knew Eve, and she happened to have a baby. Okay, this is, this is a totally different kind of knowing. And the Bible in, in Ephesians chapter 1, when he says, I want you to know God, there's a difference between knowing God, like I know President Barack Obama, I know him, he does not know me. There's a difference. There's a difference that, that we have. And depending on, oftentimes, what you call me tells me how much you know me. Like, I, I, any of y'all get, get junk mail a lot of times and they spell your name wrong? You know, like, I get Belton all the time, you know? Here, you know, Mr. Belton. No, it's not Belton. Or Belts. Or I get, I get a lot of different things. And what that tells me right there when I see that, when I get a phone call and it goes, you know, is Mr. Felt there? No, I don't know where Mr. Felt is. Uh, you got the wrong number. It shows that people don't know me too, too well. Now, if people call me Josh, chances are you probably know me a little bit better. Chances are you may Facebook stalk me. I don't know. But you got my name. You know I'm Josh. Or, or, if, you, or if you call me Joel, which is what a lot of people call me, then you definitely Facebook stalk me. Um, if you call me Pastor Josh or PJ, chances are you come to our church or you know about our church or you know about, you know what I do. And so you call me Pastor Josh or PJ. Now, if you call me Papa J or Superman, or even we'll go as far as Joshy Washy, <laughs> you know me on a whole nother level. We got stories we don't talk about. It's on, it's on. And if anybody in here ever calls me Joshy Washy, you are immediately excommunicated <laughs> to Crowley. Superman's fine. Joshy Washy's not. If you call me daddy, then you really know me. You're probably one of the three world changers that's in my life, and we wrestle a lot, and you know a lot about me. If you call me babe, stud muffin, <laughs> sweetheart, Mexican muchacho, <laughs> you know me really well. And there's only one woman that knows that. And that's all I need. See, depending on what you call me shows how much you know me. And the same is with God based off of how, how what do we call God? Is he father, friend, provider? I don't know what we call him. I don't know what you call him, but depending on what you call him oftentimes reveals what your relationship with him is like. And, 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 and God's desires for you to know God. And the way you know God is by spending time with God. My, my wife and I last month celebrated 12 years of, of marriage. We've been married for 12 years. And yeah, she put up with me for 12 years. You should applaud a lot more. Um, and I know my wife more now than I did when we first got married, you know, in the first year. I, I, you know, if there was 100 women in here, which there are, and, and everybody said Josh, I would know hers. I, I know her smell. 
I know her, I know her, I know her look. Y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about. Men, you know what I'm talking about. The look. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Even kids in here know what they're talking about. Like, I'm scared of mama's look. My boys know the look. It's like one of those, like, let's, let's go, boys. All right, and so. But how do I develop that? That's over time. It's over time. And for all of you that are married in here, that's the same with your wife or your husband. That you've, you've developed that intimacy over time. And if you have children, there's definitely even a greater intimacy that's been there. But God's desire is that we would be intimate with him. Let's look at a verse here. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Let's put it up on the screen. I want, I want, let's read this together. It says, it says, not everyone. Now, this is a, to be honest, this is a scary verse. This is a scary verse. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I don't know about y'all, but I mean, when I got saved, I called him Lord. God, you're Lord of my life. And he's right here saying that some people who say Lord won't get in heaven. Let's find out why. They'll not enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Come on, how many of you know if you're prophesying in Jesus' name, you deserve to go to heaven? And let, let, let's see, they didn't just prophesy in his name, they cast out demons in your name, and we did many mighty works in your name. We've prophesied, we've cast out demons, we're tithing, we're serving, we're doing all of this stuff for you. Of course we've got to get in. God, you've got to let us into heaven. And he's going, no, you will not. And I'm going to tell you why. And then will I declare to them, I never, what does it say? Knew. I never gnoscoed you. It's never intimate with you. So depart from me, the workers of lawlessness. I, this is a scary verse. This is a scary verse for us because we, we think that our salvation many times is birthed off of what we do for God and don't realize it's what he's done for me. And so this verse is talking about the importance of us Knowing God, these people seem like they should be getting into heaven, but God tells them no. So here's the question. How do we know if we know God? I know you're asking that. How do I know if I know God? Here's the answer. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. And we can be sure. That's pretty straightforward, huh? We can be sure that we know him if we obey his commands. You want to know how you know God? You're living out the things that he's telling you to do. And if you're not, then you probably don't know God. So my desire is for us to know God. Now, with every point, I'm going to give a practical next step. Because I believe any message that doesn't have a practical, this is what we should be doing in response to a message is a terrible message. So we need to say, okay, how do I know God? Here's your practical next step. Write this down. The practical next step is for us to prioritize time with Jesus. Do you want to know how I get to know my wife? I take her out on a date, and I have some face-to-face -face time, and I say, how are you doing? What's going on? Where are you at? What's going on in your heart? Is everything okay? And she dialogues back to me what's going on. And I get to know her more. You know how you know God more? You spend time with him. 
Now, here's the cool thing. If you don't know how to spend time with Jesus, we will help you. That's a part of our job is to help you learn how to spend time with Jesus. Do you, do you believe that Jesus can speak to you, yes or no? Yes, yes, he can. Maybe some of you have never felt like you've heard from God. We want to teach you. We'll train you. It's not something super spiritual. God speaks to you every day, and you probably don't even realize it. Holy Spirit's always speaking to us. But I'm praying that for all of us, that we would prioritize spending time with God. Let's talk about number two. So, okay, so I, my prayer every day is that you would know God. I want you to know God personally, intimately, every day. Not on Sunday. I want you to know him Monday through Saturday. I want you to spend time with God Monday through Saturday. That's my prayer. Number two is I want you to find freedom. I pray that you would find freedom Because here's the deal, now that you and I know God and we have the power of God in our life, then now we can let God go to work in our life. We can let God go to work on my life. See, you can get saved and still have heart issues. You can get saved and still have addictions. You can get saved and still have unforgiveness. You can get saved and still be wrestling with a lot of stuff in your heart. And, and whoever lied to you and said, as soon as you got saved, life would be better, they lied. Right? Sometimes it got worse. Like, I can give my life to Jesus, want to let everybody know. And then they're like, where's my friends? And what's going on in my heart? Like, why do I feel this way now? And, what? and so my desire is that you would find freedom. We have a phrase that we like to say around here. You'll hear it all the time if you stick around long enough. It's okay to not be okay. It's not okay to stay there. For every person in here that's struggling with alcohol or with pills or with drugs or with depression or you're cutting yourself or whatever it is that you're struggling with, insecurities or whatever it is, I want you to know it's okay to not be okay. The fact that you strolled up in here with all of your hurts and struggles, this is the place you need to be in. And sadly, the church has said it's not okay to not be okay. And they've pushed you away. And I want you to know, welcome home. Because all of us have issues. All of us struggle. All of us have sin. All of us have hangups. But our prayer is that we wouldn't stay there. That we would get healing. And so Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. This is what it says. It says, keep your heart. Underline that word if it's not underlined already. Keep your heart. Keep your heart. Another translation says, guard your heart. She would lock it down and guard it. Why do we need to guard it? What's so important? Because we need to guard it with all vigilance because for out of it springs the what? The issues of life. We all have issues. And if you don't think you have issues, that's your issue. Can I get an amen on that one? I don't got no issue. That's your issue. You are proud. So here's the question. According to this verse, where do issues come from? Say it out loud. Your heart. Your issues come from your heart. You're at work. You say something. You're like, ooh, man, I shouldn't have said that. And you try to rinse your, you know, like in the old day, like, you know, the, the Christmas story and the mom's putting the soap in the kids, you know, fudge. And so anyways, puts the soap in the kid's mouth. Y'all, y'all, y'all are acting like, has nobody ever seen that story? <laughs> forget it, forget it. Um, oftentimes we want to cleanse the outside. Stop saying that. But where is it coming from? 
The heart. Actually, it was coming from his daddy saying it all the time. But anyway, it's the heart. It's the heart. Issues come from the heart. So here's the question, and I know this is the big question. Remember, we're trying to be extremely practical here. How do we deal with the issues? How do we deal with the heart? Got marital struggles and problems. Got anger issues. Got lust issues. Got rejection issues. We all got issues. They all come from the heart. How do we deal with the heart? Here's our verse. James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. And to pray for one another that you may be, what's that word? Healed. Healed. See, here's the deal. I don't need to confess my sins to you for forgiveness. God forgives me already. I confess my, my sins to the Lord and he forgives me. He's already forgiven me. All of you that are in here, you're forgiven. You're forgiven people. We are forgiven. But I need to confess my sins to someone else to get healed. There's a difference. Because there's a lot of you that are forgiven in here, but you're not healed. So you know Jesus, but you're still struggling with a lot of stuff. And the reason is, is because you're quiet about it. And so you wrestle with your own heart by yourself. And here's the, here's the question that I ask. If your heart's the problem, how do you think you're going to fix it if you're the problem? That's kind, of, it's kind of funny to think about, it, isn't it? My heart's the problem. I made it that problem. Sin's a problem. And so I'm going to say, I'm going to fix my problem when I'm the problem. I need an outside source to come in and to be the antidote to help me. And God's way of us finding healing and freedom. Now listen, I know this isn't popular preaching because nobody wants to share their, their dirt. Nobody wants to share their, their, their closet full of of bones that they don't want to look at. So nobody wants to share their dark places. But I'm telling you right now, the more you will confess that to others, the Bible promises that healing will come in. Healing will come. It will come. And we all carry wounds and we all have addictions and we all have habits that we want to change. And God's system for us to resolve those is not just between me and God. I got to confess it to people so that people can pray for me, help me, hold me accountable, encourage me, lift me up. Y'all with me on this? So here's a practical next step for us. If you want to find freedom in your life, you're, you're, you're wrestling through some, some habits, some issues. Here's my, here's my challenge. Get in a life group. If you don't know what a life group is, for us, we have life groups that meet throughout the week. We're coming down on, a, a, on, a, on our last semester, but we'll, we'll have more coming in the coming months. But life groups for us is a way for us to not only be the church, but to do church together, for us to share our lives together. Because life transformation doesn't happen in rows, it happens in circles. You need to hear me on this. Life transformation doesn't happen in rows, it happens in circles. Life transformation starts in rows, you can hear the gospel, respond to the gospel, and get saved, but if you want to find freedom and grow, you need other people. I am a byproduct of this right here, that we need people in our lives. Well, people may say, man, I don't like the fact that this church is getting bigger. Well, can I, can I tell you this? And most time people say they don't like bigger church because they want to be known. But can I, can I, can I just lay out that, that lie that every church is too big if you don't know anybody? 
A 30-member church could be too big if you don't know anybody. Nevertheless, a 1,000-member church could be too big if you don't know anybody. Y'all with me? It's all about our intention to get known and to know people and to be known and to let people in, let them in our lives. Why do we want to continue to be a church that grows bigger and bigger? Because heaven and hell are real. Hell's real, people. Why do I want this church to grow? Because I want people to not go to hell. I don't want people to go to hell. My prayer for our church constantly is, God, may people have to go through us to get to hell. I pray that we, as our Savior's church, Jennings and Eunice and Crowley, would make it hard for people to go to hell. If you want to go to hell, you got to go through me. And I'm going to give you hell to get you out of hell, to get you to heaven. So we want to get big because heaven and hell are real, but we want to get small at the same time. And life groups for us are the way that that happens. And I don't have enough time, and maybe in the coming months, we'll start sharing stories of people that were in our life group semester this past time, and the freedom that they found is phenomenal. The stories that we're hearing is phenomenal. Let me show you why this is so important. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25. We're going to read this. It says, and let us, let us, you can, you could, you could cross out us and say, let me, (laughs) let me consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Now watch this, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let, let, me, let me give you an insight. You know why we host a family fun day? It's not so we can just spend a bunch of money and just have some fun. We host a family fun day so you can get to know people. That's why we do it. We host an environment for you to go and play volleyball with other people and go, hey, my name's Phil. Hey, my name's George. Hey, I live in Jennings. Where do you live? Hey, I live in Jennings. Hey, I live on Comfort Street. Hey, I live on Comfort Street. Oh, I didn't even know. That's pretty cool. I had a conversation with myself. This happens often. If you're ever, if you're ever watching me drive, I'm talking to myself. Um, I heard geniuses do that. And so... Um, it's true. So both of them say that. And so, so my encouragement is don't jet out. I don't know how many people, as soon as we say amen, they're like, <laughs> General Walk, here I come, you know. Don't, we got food, so you don't need food. We got food. We want to provide a, an atmosphere and an environment for you to engage with people, get to know people's name, get to know their story, and get to know that we are the church and we need each other. And here's the deal. You can't need each other if you don't know each other. Amen? Amen. And I know it's uncomfortable. Some of you are in here, you're like relationally awkward. And I understand that. It's hard for you to get new friends. That's why we're trying to help you. Just go play something and maybe make a new friend there. Go sit somewhere different. Or maybe sit somewhere different on Sundays when you come. Sit in a different seat. I know, go figure. Now you're having to because so many people are here. You're like, dang, where's my seat? She took my seat. That's my seat. 
They don't know that's my seat. I've been coming for five years. That's my seat. I'm sorry. That's what happens when you grow. Get over it. So let's find freedom. Number three. So here's the deal. Once we, once we know God and we can see God clearly and have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus, now we're allowing God to do stuff in our heart. We're allowing him to fix our heart. We're allowing our heart to become clear. Now that we're having our heart become clear, we can go to the next step, which is that we discover our purpose. Now that your heart's clear, you can begin to discover why you're here. So let's discover our purpose. Romans chapter 12, verse 6. Look at this. Romans chapter 12, verse 6. It says this. We, meaning all of us in this house, have different gifts. Gifts. According to the grace given to each of us. Now this isn't grace like we talked about uh, in the series last that I did called uh, Too Good to Be True, where we talk about saving grace and God saving us with his grace. This is a different word. This word grace is the word where we get charis. It's actually where you get the word charismatic or charisma. That's this type of gift, that, that uh, grace that they're talking about. And really, if you were to, if you were to, to, to even simplify what this verse is saying, it's saying that we all have different grace gifts. Grace gifts. Some of you are phenomenal at, at uh, just doing tasks. And so you look in here and you're like, if someone would just straighten the chairs, it would feel a lot better. You know, you just have this organization. Some of you, you just have a passion for music. You love, you love music. You love playing. You love singing. And, and it's a gift that you bring to this church because you use it. How many of you are grateful for our worship team that uses, uses their gift? Thankful. They're growing. I love it. I love, I love seeing what God's doing there. Uh, some of you, if you were on the stage singing, you would vomit everywhere. Anybody? Yeah, you're like, now you make a joyful noise and then we'd ask you off the stage. Some of you, you love speaking in front of people. Some of you, you think about speaking in front of people and it makes you nauseated. Some of you have a, have a gift of generosity. You love giving. Some of you have a gift of leadership and you love leading. Some of you have a gift of administration. You love, you love getting things in order and, and everything at your house is, is in order and has its place and you're a bit OCD, but it's okay. We need you because I'm with you. Some of you have an amazing gift with people, but everybody in here has gifts, grace gifts, charisses. And our job as a church and as a staff and as pastors is to help you discover what that is. It's what is it that you do when you do it, you just feel alive. You just, I, I was made to do this. Maybe it's working on cars. Maybe it's working with your hands, building stuff. Maybe it's cleaning. You can come to my house anytime. <laughs> my wife keeps it clean, but I'm sure she would love anyways. Maybe you got a grace gift for kids. First Peter chapter four, look at this. This is what he says. Not only do we have different gifts, grace gifts, charisses, but this is what he says in first Peter 4.10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Now, here's the big thing. What is it? What's the next two words? Use them. And not only use them, use them well. And not only use them well, use them not for yourself. Use them for somebody else. 
Use them to bless somebody else. Use them to help somebody else. It's not for you. I didn't give you the gift for you. I gave you the gift for somebody else. You can, you can, you know, EJ takes pictures around here. Thank you for using your gifts. Thank you for using your gifts. Documents the stories of what God's doing in here. Our worship team, our production team, Cody and Hannah and Dylan, all of them. Thank you for using your gifts. Thank you. Thank you for using your gifts. Every week when we go and we serve in the schools and we got so many ladies and different people that cook, thank you for using your gift because you don't want me cooking. You don't. Thank you for using your gifts. You've been given gifts for, you to be, for them to be used for God's glory, for your good. Some of you are using your gifts right now to get paid, and that's great. God gave you that gift. So you could get paid, you could make a living. That's great. But don't let it in there. It's not just for you to make money and for your family. It's used for the kingdom of God. Use those gifts. So here's, here's, here's the next step for you. This is the next practical thing that I want you to do. Is attend next step. I know, your next step is to attend next step. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, it says this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, this, these charisses, these, these grace gifts, brothers, now, now watch what he says. I don't want you to be uninformed. Now listen to this statistic. 87% of Christians, that would be eight out of, over 8 out of 10 of the people, even in this room, 87% of Christians don't know what their spiritual gifts are. They don't know what their purpose in life is. And I bet if we went around this room and asked you, what are your, what are your spiritual gifts? What do you know? I bet a lot of you wouldn't know. Now listen to me. Give me four weeks. Come, get plugged into Next Step starting May 17th, and give me four weeks. And at the end of four weeks, you'll know exactly why you were created. You'll know exactly why. I promise you. We're going to help you discover your purpose. And listen, your purpose is not just to benefit the church. Your, your, your gifts are to benefit the world. Your communities, your neighborhoods, your schools. God's given you those things. And I'm asking you to give me four Sundays. If you don't know what your gifts are, you come. You sign up and you, you get here and you be here and we're going to discover our gifts. And last and final, number four. So we know God. We're finding freedom. After we found our freedom, our heart is clear. Now, now, now we're discovering our purpose. We're discovering the gifts that God's given us, the talents that he's given us, the skills that he's given us. We're discovering all those things. Now, now, what do I do with all this? Number four, you make a difference. You make a difference. See, lots of you are stressed out right now, and you're trying to handle your stress. And your stress can't be solved by trying to fix your stress. Your stress is solved by replacing your stress with something greater. See, you need something in your life worth living for, and if you'll give your life to something worth living for, you'll forget your issues. The reason your issues are prevalent in your life is because that's all you focus on. So when you only focus on your issues and your struggles and you don't give your life away, then guess what's magnified in your life? 
your issues. But guess what? If you give your life to the kingdom and to God's purposes, I'm telling you, all these issues that you face will begin to fade away. Now, will they be resolved? Probably not. Maybe. I don't know. But they won't serve as big of a, of a, of a strain on your life because you're going to give your life away. I know this is good preaching. Listen to me. Real joy doesn't come from going to the beach. I just need a vacation. Listen, that's fun, and we'll go, to the, we'll go to the beach this summer. It's a great time, but listen to me. Real joy doesn't come from the beach, because here's the truth. you got to come home. Anybody ever come home from a vacation, and it's there to meet you again? <laughs> like, I just need a vacation. You go on vacation, it's like, oh, it's awesome. You come home, you're like, crap. <laughs> I need a vacation from my vacation and if you've gone with kids, you need, you need a vacation after vacation. So real joy doesn't come from going to the beach. Listen to me. I'm going to touch. i got some toes here I'm stepping on. Real joy doesn't come from watching LSU or the Saints. Even though that's fun. And I'm not saying it's not fun. It's a blast. I cheer them all on. But you would be surprised how many people's joy is wrapped up in if the Saints won or lost. We got to do like intercession healing on people on Sundays <laughs> if the LSU Tigers lost on Saturday. Like attendance goes down. I'm like, God, give LSU a winning so people can come in at least feel victorious. <sighs> but it's so amazing how real joy for so many people is locked in on these things. Real joy doesn't come from having a successful career. It doesn't come from getting the car you've always wanted. How many know it gets old quick? It doesn't come from the iPhone that you've always wanted. It gets old quick. Real joy doesn't come from all of that. And all of those are okay, and all of those are fun, and all of those are great. But real joy comes from giving your life away and making a difference in other people's life for God's glory. That's where real joy comes. You want real joy? Yeah. Okay. No, listen. No, that's, that's just, don't even. They left you hanging. I mean, if we're going to do it, let's just all do it. Okay. Don't, don't leave these two people hanging like that. I mean, <laughs> join in. Let's. I'm sorry, EJ, man. They just hung you out to dry. Real joy comes from giving your life away and making a difference in other people's lives for God's glory. John chapter 15, verse 8. Jesus even said this. He said, by this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. How do we prove that we're God's disciples? You bear fruit. These things I have spoken to you. Now, watch what it says. That my joy, this is God speaking, this is Jesus speaking. My joy may be in you, and that your joy will be full. Well, how is our joy full? When you bear fruit. Well, how do I bear fruit? You give your life away. You give your life away. That's how we bear fruit. If you'll make a difference, I'm promising you right now, real joy will be put into you. So here's, here's, here's practical next step number four, and we're going to wrap it up. Your next step is to join the dream team. Now you may be asking, what's the dream team? The dream team is what we call all of our volunteers here at OSC and anybody that does anything in our house or outside of our house. 
They're the people who make this church what it is. They are the heart and soul of this church. You may think that Pastor Bell or myself are the heart and soul of the church. We're not. We're not. Our dream team is the heart and soul of this church. They're the ones who make this church what it is. They serve. They give their life away. We have ladies in the back. Most of you probably don't even know this. We got ladies in the back that serve three times a week, three times a month in OSC Kids just so that your kids can have a place to stay and they never get to come in here. Rarely. You know why? Giving their life away. And the crazy thing is they'll never complain. Not once. Giving their life away. Our worship team here, most of y'all don't know this, they show up at between 8 and 8.30 every Sunday. And they're usually the last to leave every Sunday. You know why? Giving their life away. Giving their life away. Giving their life away. Making a difference. All of you in here are on the, have been on the receiving end of somebody making a difference. Somebody saying, it's not about me. We actually made shirts that said, it's not about me. Just to remind you, it's not about you. And Jesus wants to remind you today, it's not about you. Now notice, he wants you to know him, and he wants you to find freedom. So it is about you in those regards. He wants you to find freedom. He wants you to have hope and joy and strength. But, but beyond that, once you find that, once you get that, he wants you to make a difference. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this is the last verse. I know we've been all over the Bible today. Thank you for being on this tour. The 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 says this, all of you together, all of us together, everyone, are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. Can I be honest with you? We need you. We need you. With what God has done in this past four months, I mean, 20 more kids, over 50 more people come on the weekend, 98 salvations. I believe we're just continually ramping up. That's my prayer. This momentum will continue to go. And if we're going to be the church that God's called us to be, we need every one of you, every one of you, to do what God's called you to do. Now, let, let me say this. Will OSC work without you? Yeah, it already has. And to be honest, we're doing pretty good without you. But we would do a lot better with you. We'd do a lot better with you. Will this church keep going if you don't serve? Absolutely. Because this church is not built on you. It's not built on me. It's not built on us. It's built on Jesus. And Jesus says he will continue to build his church. Amen. And that's the promise that we have. But God wants to use you. Listen, my goal with this message wasn't to try to get more people to serve in OSC Kids or try to get more people to serve on the worship team or you need to become an usher. That's not my, my, that's not my intent today. Don't, don't hear me wrong. I'm not trying to ploy you to try to get you into this church to do something. You know what my, my passion is? I want you to have complete joy. And Scripture, I'm going to let the Bible do its work. Scripture says that complete joy comes when you give your life away. So all I want to do is give you an avenue for you to do that. But God is challenging some of you right now in this. Now I want to make this extremely practical in our response. On your chair, you got a thing that said 2015 spring survey. And I want everyone to bust that out, please, real quick. If you, if you would grab that with me real quick. And... 
I want to I want to direct your attention to to a couple things, and this is how. Because everybody, listen to me. Life transformation doesn't happen from hearing the word. Life transformation happens from applying the word. And so if you just hear this message today and you walk out and you, there's no application to this, you, you just wasted your time. And my prayer is that you would apply the word. And so I'm going to give an avenue right now for us to apply this word in our lives. I know many of you are reading this survey as we're going through, but here's my prayer. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to fill out this entire survey. This survey is going to help us in a number of ways. As we prepare and plan for the future of OSC, as we prepare and plan for, the, for where God is bringing us, one of the jobs for us as pastors to better pastor you is to know where you are, to know where you stand. Do you know God? Do you know, not know God? If you don't know God, I'm glad you're here, and that's okay. And on this little box, you can check that you don't know God, or I, I, I don't ever intend on making that decision. If you look at that My Spiritual Response today, to today's message, you'll see four little things. I already put my trust in Jesus. If you already know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, check that off. Today, I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. If you don't know Jesus and you want to surrender your life to Jesus, here's the cool thing. You don't have to come forward. Right there in your seat, I'm about to pray with you. You can check that off and we can walk right now and start this journey. There's those of you in here, you say, maybe I'd like to consider it a bit more before I make this decision. Check that off. We want to know where, where you are. Where are you? Because if you don't know where you are, you don't know where you can go. We want you to know where you are. And then you'll see below that a next step. My next step is, and you can, you can check it off. If you've already done them all, then you don't have to worry about any of it. If you've already, if you're like, I'm, I'm done all this, is all, this is all beyond me. Well, maybe not. Maybe some of you in here have gone through some of that stuff. You still don't know your purpose. Come on, join us in the next step. Maybe you need to be water baptized. We did it last week. If I get enough people that say I want to be water baptized, we'll do it next week. We want to get in a life group, join a dream team. And then this is where I really need your help in these next two. If we were to teach two topics, what would you want to hear about? And I, I'm asking you to select two. Don't, don't, please don't select all of them, okay? That doesn't help us. I, I'm asking you that you would select two. And let me tell you what we're going to do. In August or September, we're going to do a series called You Asked For It. You Asked For It. And we're going to preach probably five or six messages based off of your response right here and what you're asking for us to preach on. We're going to do a series and we're going to just answer questions in regards to the questions that you've asked us. And then last but not, not least, as many of you know, we are constantly planning churches. Our passion is to not be a mega church here in Jennings and this is, we're just going to build this church a little bit bigger and bigger. Our prayer as a church is that as we grow bigger, we'll just keep sending more people out. Because the gospel needs to be preached in Kaplan and Abbeville and Kinder and Welsh and Roanoke and all over. And so the last question is, is what city would you be interested in OSC launching a new campus? If we were to launch a new campus in the coming years, where would you like to see one? And we're just curious. We're just curious. Where, where, where would there be a place that you would like us to, to launch it? If we have all your information, don't, don't worry about filling it all out if we already have it all. But if we don't, please give us your, num your number, your email. We send out weekly emails every week of what's going on around here. Um, if you're a member, if you're a first-time guest, regular tender, please make sure to do this. And then this is what we're going to do. Everybody listen to me on this. Uh, on, your, on your way out in just a minute, you're going to take this card 
And then you're also gonna take your tithe and offering. We're gonna give this way too. If you, and you're like, well, we haven't done tithe and offering yet. We're gonna do it at the end. It's okay. On the way out, I'm gonna have our ushers back there in the back. They'll have baskets back there. And on your way out, you can put your offering and your survey just in their, in their little baskets that they got back there. And, and that's all we need. That's all, that's all we need. Okay? All right. Everybody good? Everybody understand? Are we clear? Did we put the cookies on the shelf? Everybody got, everybody got a little bite? Okay, good. No, nobody shared cookies, though. That's nasty. Um, I want to pray over you real quick, and then, and then we're going to give some, some family fun day instructions. Um, but I want to pray over you. So would you bow your heads all across this room? And you can, com- you can complete filling it out later um, if you want, or just stick around and, and finish it. But I want to pray over you. And I want to pray over those right now that, that maybe have walked in this room and, and, and you're, you're checking off this second box right here. Today I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. That's my next step. You want to know what's next for, for me? What's next for me is I need to surrender my life. And if there's any word that I think summarizes the gospel and salvation, it's the one word, surrender. That I surrender my life, my desires, my sin, my shame, my guilt. I surrender it and I give it all to Jesus because he already took it all on for me already. And there's those of you that are in this place and you don't know Jesus personally. And when we talk about knowing God, you feel like you're far, far from him. And I have great news for you today that God's closer to you than you even think. He's forgiven you of your sins already. And all he's asked for you to do is to repent of your sins, to turn to him, to confess that he is Lord of your life that you will be a new creation. Old things are passed away and behold, all things are new. That's the promise that we have. It's what Jesus has done in our life. And so if that's you, all heads bowed. We don't, I don't want anybody looking around, but all heads bowed. If that's you in this place, say, Pastor Josh, I'm, I'm checking. I'm, I'm surrendering today. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Just, just raise it up for me to see. Okay, I see it. One, two, three. Good. Awesome. Anybody else? Awesome. Praise God. Four, I see you in the back. Praise God. Praise God. Anybody else? Today I'm surrendering my life. Mm. Father, I pray right now over all those who raise their hand, God, and we just thank you for what you're doing in their life. Would you just repeat this after me? Say, Father, forgive me of my sins, of my selfishness. Thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross to pay for my sins, pay for my shame, Paying for my guilt. Today, I surrender my life to you. From this day forward, you are Lord of my life. You are my Savior. Thank you for washing me clean and forgiving me and giving me a new start. In Jesus' name. And come on, everybody in this church, will we celebrate the four people who came to know the Lord today? Come on, we're going to celebrate all that God did.